This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 162. If you are given that type of one size fits all advice, you really should question, you know, whether it's something that actually does make sense for you. And again, seek out, even if it's a second opinion, of your own tax advisor. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. Brandon Turner. What's going on, man? Not much. And uh, you are telling the truth. You are literally here with Mr. Brandon Turner. I am indeed. You you just landed in in Denver about five minutes ago, didn't you? I did. I like seriously like sped here in in two mile an hour traffic, and by sped here nice. I was going like three, and uh, I made it here just in time to record this intro, which because we needed to do this for the show that comes out tomorrow. So, yes, yes, yeah, <laughs> last, man. last minute stuff here. Yeah, we're a little behind, a little behind, but anyway, hey, we got a great show today. I'm really really excited about it. Uh, yet another repeat guest here on the podcast. And uh, we're, we're definitely going to get into that shortly, but let me tie this all together. Okay. Let's start with today's quick tip. All right, guys, today's quick tip is today we just released a brand new book under the Bigger Pockets library. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the book on tax strategies for the savvy real estate investor. And Not I didn't write this one. Answer. Not the unsavvy. This is the savvy. Uh, yes. For the savvy. I would have written for the unsavvy. unsavvy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. So we've got a brand new book. This book is awesome. You can check it out at biggerpockets.com slash tax book. We're going to tell you a whole lot more about it at the end of today's show. And today's guest ties in perfectly with today's quick tip. Today's guest, Amanda Hahn is the author of this book. And Amanda is a CPA. She's awesome. We're going to get into it in a second. But anyway, this book is fantastic. And, and it is, it, it is. I mean, like, so I, the, the, the author who's Amanda Hahn, I mean, she's actually my own CPA and like, and she I, writes for us on bigger pockets. She writes for some bigger pockets. And like, she's probably the smartest woman I've ever met in my life. Outside my wife, of course. Who's in oh, the of course. Room. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, this book is a fantastic. I think you guys will love it. And uh, there's a bunch of, she off, wrote a bunch of like other, uh, what do you call it? Like extra eBooks that come with it. Uh, so make sure you guys check that out as well. But again, we talked about it at the end of the show. Uh, so make sure you listen to that. Uh, there's definitely a deadline on one of those bonuses that you have to order within the first, I think it's like nine or 10 days. So listen close to that. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Cool. So today's show, it, the whole purpose of today's show, yes, we are letting it coincide with the, the launch of the tax book. Uh, tax season is upon us. That it is. This book is, it's going to put your mind on stuff that you need to know whether you're new or experienced. At, at the end of the day, here's the thing, guys. If you're a real estate investor, you have to be thinking about taxation. You have to be. Um, if, if you're new, you have to think about it from the standpoint of what do I need to know as I get started? How do I set up entities, legal stuff? Um, you know, w- what proactive things can I be doing in my business as I start to establish my business to make sure that I'm paying as little as possible to the IRS? That goes with inv- investing. So we're, you know, we're trying to do this stuff, right? Um, from the experience standpoint, if you're not thinking about it or if you're forgetting it, you know, we talk in the, in the show about this about uh, some of Amanda's clients, experienced investors who've been doing this for a long time, who like throwing don't even, away money. There's like yeah, they're throwing, throwing away money, like yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars, just like really simple stuff. Yeah, and simple stuff. Yes, tons so, of mistakes. So like the 
Yeah, I was gonna say like this whole show almost is like focused on like stupid mistakes that people make, like, but that everybody seems to make. It's like we could have just titled the show like, you know, ten stupid mistakes that Brandon has made. Yeah, <laughs> but, pretty much. <laughs> no, but like that, one of that the, list I mean, is a whole lot longer. Yeah, a lot, than long, 10, a lot longer than ten things. No, but yeah. like one of the things we talk about is like there was a, a few years ago I got hit with a ten thousand dollar fine from the IRS, and uh, I mean luckily I got out of it. And so we talk about why that is and how you can not have that happen to yourself because it's very easy. What I did. Uh, could happen to you as well. So make sure you guys listen for that too. So awesome. anyway, awesome. it's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, and for those of you guys who are like, oh, great, an interview with a CPA. Awesome. Texas. Let me go hang up. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, she's not your typical CPA. Yeah. She's also a real estate investor. She's really cool. She's really fun. And come on, do you guys expect us to have a boring interview? Not going to happen. So, yeah, you know. She's great. She's great. And she picks on Brandon the entire time. So that, that makes it that makes it great. <laughs> so anyway, guys, awesome. It's going to be a great show. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from six, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com slash VP. Connectinvest.com slash VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. As home prices and interest rates continue to rise and inventory levels dip, it's getting harder to find quality flips and wholesale deals. When there's not enough on-market inventory to go around, it's time to start looking off-market. Lucky for you, there are millions of homeowners nationwide who own a property they need to get off their hands. I got two words for you, my friend. PropStream it. PropStream is the leading real estate data provider and recognized as a Tech 100 honoree by Housing Wire for the fourth consecutive year. With PropStream, you can search over 155 million properties nationwide using 120 plus search filters like pre-foreclosure, bankruptcy, pre-probate, failed listings, and more to help you find motivated sellers in seconds. PropStream offers both public record data and an MLS sales estimate that's over 99% accurate to help you get the most accurate comps even in non-disclosure states. 
PropStream also provides lead automation, skip tracing, and a marketing suite with emails, postcards, and custom landing pages to close more deals efficiently. Get started today with their seven-day free trial and get 50 leads for free. Head on over to www.propstream.com BP. That's www.propstream.com BP. Let's get this thing going. Today's guest, like I said before, Amanda Hahn. She's an amazing CPA-focused on real estate investors. That's not a unimportant point here. You know, this, this is somebody whose business is not a general CPA business. This is somebody who lives, eats, and breathes, and sleeps uh, real estate uh, from a tax standpoint. Uh, so stay tuned, listen up, and uh, let's bring her on. All right, Amanda, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you. Thanks for having me, Josh. Yeah, this is going to be fun. We're going to talk about taxes. We're going to talk about uh, all that fun stuff that most people find really boring, but we find that it saves us a lot of money. And so we find it a little more exciting, right? We do. We, we do. do. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The, la- the last show that Amanda was on, show 49, uh, we-, we actually did an entire episode on taxes. And surprisingly, it was not boring. So it wasn't. Kudos to you, Amanda, for not being boring because we expected it, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... So today, we're really excited, as we mentioned in the upfront, um, we've got this new book coming out that is authored by you, titled The Book on Tax Strategies for Savvy Real Estate Investors, Powerful Techniques Anyone Can Use to Deduct More, Invest Smarter, and Pay Far Less to the IRS. Pretty cool title. Sounds exciting. Tell us about it. Well, I, I was really excited to put this book together. In fact, um, the idea spawned from the last time I was on the podcast with you guys. Um, you know, we've received very a lot of phone calls from viewers and listeners for the podcast, and and a couple of people have asked me if I wanted to kind of put out additional information regarding some of the strategies we talked about. So the book itself was maybe a year and a half in the making, but I'm super excited to be sharing some of the tax strategies that we work with our clients on on a day-to-day basis and hopefully be able to help uh, the bigger pockets in the real estate community on on how they can utilize these strategies and save money themselves. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Cause like, I mean, so people might not know, but Amanda actually is my CPA. So she helps me with my taxes. She helps me with my strategy planning. And like the last couple of years of working with her, like I've learned a ton, but still when reading that book, I learned a ton more. And so I'm excited to implement some of those. We've been having a lot and of that, conversations. And that happened after the podcast, correct? It did. Yep. I, yeah. I, so like, I was like blown away with the podcast. I was like, I got to talk to Amanda. So yep. that's how we started working <laughs> together. And uh, it's been awesome. Yeah. We're doing some uh, fun stuff and I'm excited for the future. So, cause I, I mean, I, I screwed up a lot and that's kind of goes into what we're talking about today. But when I was starting out, like, man, I made like every tax mistake you can make and probably cost me like tens of thousands of dollars uh, and, and probably like, you know, months, if not years of my investing wasted because I didn't do things right at the beginning. So that's kind of our goal today is to talk about some of these things that people do wrong, including me. And I don't know, Josh, I'm sure you screwed up on something too in your I, past, but you know, I screw up. <laughs> so I like that's what we're talking about today. coming into the show today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So before we get into the actual things that people do wrong and waste money and, and tips that they can do to make more money, can you give us just a quick reminder for those who haven't heard the first podcast? Who are you? What do you do? I mean, are you in real estate? What's your story? Sure, sure. Uh, well, I am a CPA by day and real estate investor by night. Uh, I'm actually a third generation of real estate investors from my family. Uh, my grandparents were real estate investors. So I always grew up around 
real estate investing. When I was really, really young, I can remember helping my grandparents to do make ready stuff for their condos in Las Vegas. And so, you know, after being a CPA for a couple of years, just by chance, I happened to be in the real estate specialty group where I worked with a lot of real estate investor clients. And over time, I got to see how much money they were making. And in fact, how much mo- more money they were making than me as their tax advisor. And um, <laughs> so my husband and I left one of the uh, big four firms uh, many years ago. And we decided we were going to combine our passions, our passion in real estate investing and really our passion in tax strategies and helping clients. And, and that's when we formed Keystone CPA, uh, where we can kind of you know help our clients with tax strategies. But the little secret is we also learn from our clients. We have very smart clients who do really creative and wonderful real estate deals and uh, we get to learn from them and help us to better our investment strategies too. Sounds awesome. It does. does. Let me ask you this. I think this is a good question to start with. Like why, I I guess like you are a a real estate investor and a CPA. Why is it maybe not a good idea for me just to go to any CPA, like the guy that's sitting at the Walmart right now? I mean, like what does it mean to have a, a, somebody who knows what they're doing with real estate? Why is that different? Sure. Well, I mean, taxes are extremely complicated. I don't know if you've tried to read the tax code. It's, it's kind of in the no. language all on its own. You know, it's kind of like, um, Shakespeare, right? So, um, with, the, within the tax code, there are a lot of different loopholes, believe it or not, where the IRS wants to incentivize us to, to be able to utilize certain strategies to our benefit. And so it's important to work with an advisor that specializes in your particular industry because they would be more up to date and knowledgeable on what those strategies are. Um, and for those people who don't know, I mean, tax code and regulations and court cases are changing every single day. So, you know, if you're someone who's in the real estate industry, it's important that your advisor not only understands real estate, but also understands all the various tax changes that come out throughout the year with respect to loopholes for real estate investors. Um, and that, unfortunately, is not something easy to find. Most CPAs specialize in working with all types of clients. Um, just the other day, I got a call from someone who was in the produce business. And I told him, you know, um, I can't really be your advisor. That's not my specialty. And he said, wow, no one has ever told me that. <laughs> so that's the importance is, you know, someone who understands your business. Yeah, that's great. And, and I, I like how you talk about the code being written from the perspective of creating incentives for people to take action. You know, w- when it's politicized, it's taken as, hey, these are things that, you know, the, the rich of the rich of the rich uh, can do and it's only written for them and, and that's not true it's it's the the challenge is the rich and the rich and the rich are the only folks uh, who typically were able to get access to that information and you know our goal is to to get this information out to as many people as possible so, you know we we want people to know that these things do exist and and that everyday people can actually take advantage uh, of these opportunities uh, because they are opportunities. It's not, you're not a bad person because you're taking advantage of a loophole because loopholes were written on purpose. Right. So exactly. yeah. at least most of them. Um, all right, cool. So <laughs> let's, let's get into this today. We want to talk about the big list of stuff that people do to screw up their taxes. Uh, you know, there's no better way to, to put it. So let's just jump in. What's, what's the first way, first thing that people do to mess up? I think it's a good idea to kind of start from the beginning. So for someone who's maybe new to real estate investing, it's really, really important to make sure that you have your strategies in place, maybe prior to getting into your first real estate investment deal or as you get into your first real estate investment deal. Because what happens sometimes is, you know, if you're, um, 
receiving some bad advice or some, you know, some free advice that maybe was not the most applicable to your situation, you could end up holding your real estate in the wrong type of legal entity, for example. Sometimes what we've seen when that happens, it ends up costing the investor tons and tons of money in the long run. So although there are things that are easy, you know, mistakes that are easy to fix, and we'll talk about some of them later, there are mistakes that may be very, very costly to fix. So in the world of unknown, it's always better to speak with your tax advisor earlier rather than later at the start of your investing career. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I, I'm glad you started with that one, Amanda, because this is one that like, when I started investing in real estate, I read every book I could on like real estate, like strategies for like buying a rental or flipping a house, but I didn't like care about the tax side at all. I mean, I didn't know anything about that. And so I made a lot of mistakes. I mean, for example, like I was one of those guys that heard on a, you know, somewhere that you should have LLCs. So I went and opened up a bunch of LLCs. I just started opening them LLCs because it's like, you know, a couple hundred bucks here. And then I felt like I was official, right? Like people open LLCs all the time to feel like they're doing something. They're in business, kind of like a business card, right? But then what happened is then I had all these LLCs with no properties in them that were doing nothing but costing me hundreds of dollars a year and making my taxes really complicated. In fact, one of the things that you and I worked on, I think we talked about this last time maybe, but like I had a, I, I had a, this mess with the IRS where I owed like 10 grand because I hadn't filed partnership tax returns on this mess that I never even used that LLC. I mean, it was like just a mess because I didn't understand the basics, even the basic stuff before getting into it. And so I think... Yeah. Anyway, I'm just kind of a classic case of like what people do when they get started. They just have no idea. Yeah. And don't feel bad. You know, unfortunately, we <laughs> see that a lot. Um, and that was one of the reasons that my husband and I were really excited to write this book, you know, and that's one of those stories that we share in the book about um, what to look out for. You know, how can you tell if you're in this situation where you might want some advice, you might need someone to help you reposition how your properties or your entities are held. Um, you're definitely not alone in this. Like I said, I, I meet investors all the time that have the same uh, question or concern. So it, but, but at the end of the day, it, the sooner you understand that that's a problem or, you know, whether you have a problem or not, and the sooner you fix it, um, the, the, the less pain it will be. Hey, really quick. What would you say would be one of, one of the top one or two questions that somebody who's about to get into real estate should be asking their CPA up front? Mm-hmm. Um, I think one or two main questions, uh, first of all, would be, uh, do I need a legal entity and what type of legal entity should that be? And, um, you know, I'm going to give the unpopular answer of it depends because they'll really depend on that particular taxpayer's investment profile, their assets and the property itself. Um, so that's definitely a really important one because, uh, like I said earlier, that could be something that would be hard for the investor to change down the road. Okay. Hey. And really quick, I I just want to kind of warn the the listeners, please don't start trolling Amanda because she's not answering (laughs) specific questions. you you got to keep in mind what we've talked about in our you know our beginners podcast and lots of other podcasts. There is not a single one path for any one individual. So you know if you're 65 and wealthy versus 30 and broke, I mean you're going to have different pathways that you're going to take, and the advice that a CPA is going to give you is different. That's why she's saying that. Um, I know like it's, it's really easy to be like, Oh, she's not answering my question. Well, that's why you actually have to get your own CPA and talk to them. This is, you know, we're going to give you broad strategies and tips here, but at the end of the day, you know, you really are going to want to have your own person uh, that you're working with. Yeah. And in fact, what I tell people a lot of times too, is you have to be wary um, of the advisor or a speaker who maybe goes on stage and says, Hey, this is a one size fits all. You know, everybody must have this kind of entity. Everybody must do that. 
because what that means is they're not really even taking the time to understand what your situation is, right? So if you are given that type of one size fits all advice, you really should question, you know, whether it's something that actually does make sense for you. And again, seek out even if it's a second opinion of your own tax advisor before you pull the trigger. Awesome. So that was the first thing you said, uh, make sure you, Josh said, what are the two things you should ask? So the first one's entity. What else? Mm-hmm. Um, I think another really good one for newbie investors would be just understanding what are legitimate tax deductions. Um, I think most investors are really good at, you know, knowing to write off mortgage interest and property taxes and maybe management fees, right? Those are things that are common. We understand it. We won't miss it. But what I yep. see missed most often are some of these other peripheral expenses that may have a personal benefit associated with it, such as, you know, maybe our iPhone or iPad or uh, our cars, right? So those are things that a lot of people forget to write off just because they feel like, well, you know, maybe I'm using my computer for Facebook as well. Is it really okay for me to deduct? Um, So getting an understanding on what are legitimate tax deductions is something very important to those just getting into real estate. So can we go through those? I mean, we, we had come up with a list of five uh, before the show, why don't we start going through those things uh, that that they should be deducting? Sure, sure. So I think some of the commonly missed ones, like I said, would be equipment, appliances, cell phones, things like that. You know, as real estate investors yourselves, I'm sure you agree that you're always using these devices for work-related stuff, right? Relating to real estate, you're checking on properties and management companies. So it is okay to have some personal use. Uh, of this types of devices, but as long as the majority use is business related, then those are legitimate tax deductions. Okay. Um, a common misconception that we hear all the time is that people are told or they feel that they can't deduct some of these expenses unless they have a legal entity. So a lot of people out there are sending a message that, hey, you have to have a, an LLC right away because without it, you can't deduct these expenses. Um, and that's actually incorrect because the IRS allows investors to deduct expenses as long as it is ordinary and necessary to that investment business. So it doesn't matter. IRS doesn't care if you pay for this with your personal money or your LLC money. As long as you can show that it's necessary for your real estate business, it should be a tax deduction. I love that. And, you yeah. know, when I was I was in the uh, entertainment industry before I was uh, in doing BP, and one of the things that we used to deduct we would deduct our haircuts uh, yeah. because you know you had to look good to go on auditions and get out there and be in front of people. So you know, getting a haircut was was part and parcel to that. So you know, whether it was that or other things around that, we we did that. And yeah, you didn't need entities to to be able to do it. So have you heard of Chesty Love? Do you know who that is? Uh, no, but she sounds like somebody I may <laughs> want to avoid. <laughs> she um, so there's there's actually an interesting court case. Chesty Love is a um, entertainer, let's say, oh, and um, so yes. she has some breast. Very political augment- of you. <laughs> breast augmentation is uh, what she had done, and her CPA tried to claim it. The IRS disallowed it, and it went all the way up to tax court. And the tax court said that was a ordinary and necessary business expense for her as an entertainer. And um, so that's just a you know it's a great example, like what you're saying, right? It depends on what your business is. One expense might be legitimate and necessary for you, but it might not be for the person sitting next to you. Right. Right. Awesome. All right. So equipment, appliances. Uh, what else? 
Um, another really great one, I think, for investors, whether new or seasoned, would be the home office deduction. Um, you know, I don't know if you guys have heard, there's always a lot of myths out there that uh, that's an area the IRS has been auditing heavily. So, yep. you know, if you don't want to get audited, don't claim the home office deduction. And that's really unfortunate because that was something that was true over a decade ago, you know, back when telecommuting, Skype, all that stuff wasn't so readily available. So home office is no longer this huge red flag that people used to think it was. And in fact, um, over the last couple of years, the IRS has actually made the home office deduction a lot easier for us to claim. So, you know, before we had to have pictures and uh, receipts to show all these, the, the money that we're spending on our home, right? Um, as of a couple of years ago, the IRS actually came out with a standard method of deducting home office expenses. So you no longer need receipts or pictures or any of that stuff. Um, if you take the standard deduction, you can write off up to $1,500 of home office deductions, uh, again, without receipts or anything. So That's they've awesome. actually made it easier for us, you know? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, because there was, I mean, I was told that myth, even by my own CPA, like before you, he said, yeah, you don't want to take that home office deduction because they'll, they'll get you for that. Like they'll, they'll come and get you. And like, I was like, oh, okay. So I guess I won't, I won't take it. So anyway, I mean, that's cool to know that it's not really a big deal anymore. I mean, and it makes sense, right? Like so many Americans work at home. So yeah, I think that's great. We, and, and so many real estate investors work from home. You yes. Know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, is it still the same? I mean, I, I haven't done it in years, but when back when we were doing it, you know, we, we would just have to calculate kind of the size of the square footage of the home office as a percentage of the overall home. And then you can deduct things like electricity um, and other stuff as well, correct? Yeah, exactly. So, so you still can do that. You can still do the electricity and all the actual costs, or yeah. you can use this new method from the IRS, which is just a standard uh, $5 per square foot. And, you know, which method is best for you will kind of depend, you know, very depending on the year. Let's say that, you know, uh, Brandon, you just did a remodel for your house, right? You upgraded your office space or you just did new flooring for the entire house. Well, guess what? Even though you did flooring for the entire house, a percentage of that could be a legitimate tax deduction via the home office. You right? saved me like a ton of money because right as we speak right now, we're getting carpet in my wife's office. And I did not even think about that, that that could be a write-off. So right there, this just paid for itself. All right. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yes. Nice. All right. So we cool. got equipment, we got home office. What, what other, uh, what other things can we deduct? Um, I think along similar lines, you know, travel costs, car expenses, you know, real estate investors were known to, to be looking at properties all the time, right? Driving to look at properties, whether new or existing, um, traveling to different locations. Maybe you're flying to Memphis or you're flying to California to look for potentially new rental properties. Um, all those things are potential tax deductions. The one quick tip I want to give people about travel quick expenses. Tip. <laughs> is that in order for a travel cost to be deductible, and typically we're talking about out-of-state travel, okay, the expense, uh, the, the purpose of the travel, the business purpose has to be determined before you actually leave your house. So that means, you know, if we're going to Hawaii, let's say, and I'm there with my family, I happen to look at some real estate. Well, that doesn't mean my trip to Hawaii is deductible. Okay. I just happened to do some real estate while I was there. On the other hand, if before I left for my trip, I have scheduled meetings with realtors and brokers, or I would uh, register for a you know bigger pocket conference beforehand. Now my travel cost there is potentially all deductible because that was the reason I went there, right? It's okay yeah. to have some fun, but the reason I went was 
for all these real estate activities. That was one section of the book on the, the tax strategies for savvy real estate investors. One that really hit me was that you told the story of this couple who went down to California and you know did like a weekend, like it was a five day trip or something. And they did a couple days of work ahead of time, had the whole weekend free, and then you know what, had a meeting with you on Monday, flew back home on Tuesday, or whatever. I mean, it was like cool. Like uh, it showed that they were able to deduct that trip because they had scheduled the way that they planned their trip. I mean, I just was thinking like it really got my mind working because I travel a lot. I love to travel. And every time I travel, like there's always some, some real estate purpose for it. So anyway, I'm, I'm a lot more careful now when I, uh, since reading that uh, on how I can deduct more of that stuff. Cause I'm not very good at that stuff, like keeping track of where I go and I'm like, yeah, whatever, Amanda, will figure it out later. But <laughs> if I'm not keeping track of it, then I'm not, we're not going to deduct it. Like that ultimately is my responsibility. Yes. And that's a great lead into the, you know, an, another tip for real estate investors, whether new or seasoned is to really understand that as an investor, we're responsible for tracking these expenses, right? It's kind of like when you go see a doctor, I mean, you have to take the medication. It's not just they tell you and it's all done. So, um, you know, I mean, my goal, whether it's through the book or the podcast, our goal is not to to make everyone become a tax strategist. But our goal really is we want people to understand what are the common things you need to know um, and how do you kind of make that part of everyday living so that you know when there's an opportunity that maybe comes up where you can identify, hey, this is a good time for me to call my CPA. I might have a question about this. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, keeping things at top of mind is is really the most important part, right? I mean, if, if you're... If you're constantly reminding yourself that this is part of who you are and what you're supposed to be doing, uh, it just makes it a lot easier to reap the benefits down the line, right? Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. There's another one that's really unusual. It was uh, your, your little kinder, right? My little, little kinder. Kids. Uh, children. Oh, kids. Brandon's? <laughs> <laughs> no, but ki- about deducting no, kids. Deducting I think exactly. kids. Can you, how do you yeah. deduct kids? What's that mean? Um, okay. Or so, not kids, so, but yeah, what, yeah, you know, anyway, yeah, you had in the list kids. We're, we're curious about that. So one of the questions we get uh, quite often is, you know, my kids are expensive, right? The older they get, the more expensive they are. I, I remember when my son was a baby, I would buy him very small toys for 50 cents and he loved it. Now he's more into the $20 toys. And I imagine when he gets <laughs> older, his toys would be cars and, you know, girlfriends. And so, so the question we get all the time is how can I- like how I- she called girlfriends toys. Yep. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to delete that from the podcast. <laughs> I get some hate emails. Um, so, uh, so, so, so that is, I mean, the reality is that's a question we get all the time. I spend so much money on my kids. How can I write off my kids? How can I deduct them? Um, and, you know, generally the IRS doesn't give us a whole bunch of deductions. I mean, when we have kids, we get to claim an exemption, which is a couple thousand dollars, but that doesn't come anywhere close to the money we're spending on our kids. So as real estate investors, we have a really great opportunity um, to be able to legitimately take a tax deduction for the money that we're spending on them. And so the term in the tax world is called income shifting, which is essentially paying your kids. So all we're saying is instead of just you know, giving your kids money so they can pay for car expenses, why not have them help you out in your real estate business? Then when you pay them for that assistance, you can take a tax deduction as a business-related expense. Um, so, And the goal of that is to be able to take a deduction on your tax return, which the assumption is you're at a higher tax rate, and then be able to shift that money into your kids, which may be at zero tax rate or even, you know, very low income tax rates. So it's the same exact thing as giving money to your kids, except in lieu of just giving it to them, they're working for that money. And you're not 
paying them a salary per se through, you know, payroll or anything. You're, you're still, here's, you know, 50 bucks, good job working. You know, it's kind of, here's cash for your, your allowance, but instead of cash, here's 50 bucks for your three weeks allowance or month or whatever it is, you know, here's 50 bucks to pay for the time that you put in doing that. And I could still give it to them as cash. I just have to record it as this is payment for whatever it was. Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, whether you pay them cash or credit card or check, that doesn't matter. Okay, the important thing to legitimizing the deduction is, like you said, making sure they're actually doing work for your real estate. So, you know, Josh, if you told your kids, hey, you know, every time I come home, I want to make sure I have a beer in my hand. Well, that's not really a business expense, <laughs> right? But if they were helping it you- It relaxes me, which allows <laughs> me to be more productive in my podcasting. Yeah, so uh, maybe it is. I'm going to take this to tax court. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the other hand, you know, if they help you with the editing the podcast and stuff like that, that's obviously a business related cost. So, so the first thing is make sure it's business related. Sure. Um, and the second thing is to just to make sure that there's documentation. So how much you pay your kids should be reasonable, right? I mean, we love our kids, but th- is it reasonable to pay them $1,000 an hour? Maybe not. And you also want to look at what is reasonable tasks. What are the reasonable tasks that they can do for their age? So, you know, if they're 10 years old, can they help you do some editing on the computer? Probably so. If they're two years old, that might be a hard argument to make. Okay. My two-year-old's um, really smart. <laughs> <laughs> I know, aren't they all? They're all smarter than us, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, by the way, this but- podcast has been edited by Josh's <laughs> two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but whether it's a 1099 or a W-2, um, that just really depends you know, on the age of the child and, and, and what type of work they're doing for you. But that's something that you can easily discuss with your tax advisor. Um, the key is just making sure that there's documentation for the work-related stuff that they're performing. Yeah, even besides the tax thing, I think there's just some value in having your kid, not just, you know, like, I'm going to pay for your insurance. You know, you got a 16-year-old kid, I'll pay for your insurance. I, I think there's value in, uh, like, you know, you drive for dollars for me five hours a month and I'll pay for your insurance for your car. You know what I mean? Like put some, I don't know. It just seems like it teaches kids that they work for money. It's not just given to them. It makes them a little bit more independent. And how dare you? I know. Really? This is the millennial generation. I know. They don't just, I mean, uh, I'm supposed to just be done with school and then everything comes everything to comes you. to you yep there you yeah. go yeah, yeah i think yeah. the working thing is good it's really interesting because i taught a class about income shifting a couple years ago and we had a lady in the audience who was maybe in her late 50s and she said you know my son just graduated college and then he moved back in with me is this a strategy i can use with him or uh, is he too old and and that was a really great question and the answer is of course you know you could pay your son who graduated college if he's not working and he's sleeping on your couch i mean I mean, yeah, you better put him to work. And if you can shift some income to him and take a deduction, why not? Even better. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Cool. All right. So then uh, we have one more on our list here for deductions, and that is a Bigger Pockets Pro membership. What's the deal with that? Can you deduct that? Can or can I deduct that? I mean, how does that work? Yeah, sure. I mean, for so so that's an example of one of those items that people just rarely think about, right? If why are you on Bigger Pockets? Well, you're there to further your investing career. 
right? Yep. And so is it ordinary and necessary to your real estate business? Of course, whether you're a rental uh, investor, a wholesaler, a fix and flipper, these are all legitimate tax deductions. So next time you renew your pro membership, make sure you keep a copy of that receipt and let your CPA know, hey, I've spent money on this stuff. You know, if you go out and buy, uh, you know, any books, maybe a new tax book for real estate investors. Oh, right? you that guys, is <laughs> look at you tying in paid accounts and new books. Yep. Yes. <laughs> that could be a tax deduction. So, so a, a good thing to do to practice doing is every time you're spending money on something, ask yourself, you know, can this be a tax deduction or how can this be a legitimate business deduction for my real estate business? Right okay. On. Well, one more question that wasn't on our list, but I'm just curious while we're here. Let's talk about meals. I mean, if I go and, and, and go eat dinner with a, I don't know, with, okay, so I just hired two employees in my company that, that now like work for me, a maintenance guy and a uh, assistant. I take them out to dinner to go talk about our business and to treat them. Is this meals deductible? How do I know if they are? What, how does that all work? Sure. When, uh, the easiest thing to do is when you have meal expenses that involve someone besides just yourself and maybe your wife mm-hmm. or your kids, right? If um, it involves other parties who are involved in your real estate activities, those are generally going to be tax deductible. You know, lenders, realtors, maintenance guys, those should all be tax deductible. The question we get more often is, you know, maybe Brandon, you and Heather go out to eat all sure. the time yep. and you're always talking <laughs> about real estate. You're always talking yep. about Josh and bigger pockets and all these things. Really? Is, it tax is that what you guys we talk, talk a lot about? about romantic Josh. meals. Yep, we sit, that's yeah, we sit kind talking of about you and troubling. Yeah, we have a lot of conversations about you. <laughs> wow, wow, crazy. <laughs> so yeah, so what do we do? What do I do about that? I mean, can I just deduct my dinner last night? Um, so from that, so for that, uh, what I always tell our clients is you just want to kind of use your judgment, right? Obviously, my husband and I, we're investors. We work together in the business too. We're always talking business or real estate, but I wouldn't necessarily deduct every single meal. If I'm going to spend $5 a Subway, I probably wouldn't write it off because I don't want to show a bunch of $5 transactions. Um, but if we're out for a nice dinner and I show, that might be the one where I have some kind of documentation. Hey, we talked business before, during, or after that. Okay. okay. So it's more of subjective. I would say choose your battles to deduct the ones that make the most sense. Nice. Okay. Cool. cool. Cause yeah, I mean like there's not a, there's not a single meal we ever have that we're not talking about real estate, you know, cause it's just, that's what we do. That's what we love. So uh, I think and, and on a, to branch off that people listen to the show who might not have a lot of real estate yet, or maybe you're just getting started or they have, you know, whatever we always encourage people all the time is take local investors out to coffee, take them out to lunch, you know, pick their brain. Like I'm assuming on that same line, then that could be tax deductible cause they're, they're furthering their, uh, their investing. Sure. Sure. Cool. Cool. All right. Next. So uh, the next thing we had were retirement strategies. So, you know, people not missing out on their retirement strategies. What, What does that mean? Well, one of the things we look at every year uh, when we file tax returns is to figure out, um, is there a better way for me to use my money? Meaning rather than paying it towards the IRS, are there other ways for me to reinvest that towards my retirement? Uh, for example, real estate or, or stocks or bonds. So one of the most powerful tools that the IRS gives us is actually with respect to retirement strategies. Most of you are probably familiar with, you know, IRAs and Roth IRAs and SEP IRAs where you could put money away into retirement, you know, potentially get a tax deduction and then either get tax deferred or tax free growth. One of the biggest hurdles we've had in the past, um, because most of our clients are real estate investors, is that people prefer, you know, they like the benefit 
of getting a deduction by putting money in retirement account, but they would rather use that money for real estate investment. Right? Yep. People don't want it trapped in the stock market. And so, so, so one of the ways around that and get the best of both worlds is to use self-directed investing. That, in essence, allows an investor to take a deduction and turn around and use that money back into real estate deals and grow either tax-free or tax-deferred. That's cool. Yeah. And right so that's what, that's what we worked on. You and I worked on this uh, a few months ago. We kind of set the thing up and then we did a, I did a call with you last week where we recorded the whole thing about 401k, self-directed 401k investing, right? That's what, the same thing we're talking about now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Similar. I mean, there's different types of retirement strategies, sure. uh, but yes, the 401k is, is one of my favorites. That's the one that I have personally. Okay. So yeah. So I just, I mean, just for people to know, like I set one up, we had to, we set it up before the December 31st. Uh, I think I went through sense financial to do it and we set this thing up and then I'm going to fund it here when, when we pay our taxes, I'll fund the, the account. And now I can use that account in a number of different ways. And we don't have to go real in depth on that, but to be honest, I didn't even understand what I was doing entirely when I opened it. I just trusted Amanda a lot. But then we sat down last week or was it two weeks ago? And we just, just I just picked her brain for an hour on exactly how this worked. Josh? Hey, I got my hand up. Yeah. Um, yes. What the hell are you talking about? Like, 401k. I mean, of, okay, explain that. I mean, like, sure. you know, you're making assumptions that people know. I, a lot of people I don't make assumptions. Oh, uh, sure. So what's a, four, what, what's a 401k? What's a self-directed 401k? Uh, I'll let Amanda answer in, that. And, I, and yeah. you know, just w- really quickly, what's the advantage? Sure. Why would they do sure. this? Sure, sure. So we're all familiar with an IRA, right? You go to a local bank or a custodian, you open up an IRA, you put five, $6,000 into it. And then over time, you hope it accumulates and accumulates and you have enough money to finally go out and maybe buy a piece of property or invest in a note. 401k or the individual 401k, it's known by all sorts of different names. Um, but that's one that is eligible for small business owners uh, or people who are doing active real estate. For example, syndications, wholesalers, fix and flippers. Um, it's a way for it's it's a type of account that they may be able to open up where they could put a significantly larger amount in every year and then be able to redirect that by investing it in uh, real estate deals. So as an example, um, if you, you're someone who does fix and flip and you you know had a really, really great year and your CPA says, oh, my gosh, you owe this much in taxes. It's possible for you to open up a self-directed 401k, put money into it, reduce your tax liability and then turn around and put that money into to another real estate deal. Yeah. This is why I love it. Sounds like, great. I, yeah, I love the idea because like you know, the more income I make every year, like every year my income goes up a little higher from both real estate and from bigger pocket stuff and you know, writing books and everything. The more income that I make, the more taxes I'm always paying. And I'm trying to find ways to defer that more and more. And like, I never understood how people would talk about, yeah, I have a Roth IRA and I'm I'm investing out of that. And I'm like, that sounds good. And they're like, you can put $5,000 a year in it. I'm like, great. (laughs) In 20 years, I can use my Roth IRA. Great. Awesome. Right? Like it it never made sense to me how people do that until I realized the the 401k, the self-directed 401k, I can put, was it 50 some thousand dollars or whatever in there in a year? And then my wife could do the same. Exactly. All of a sudden now, that becomes like I can actually invest with retirement savings now like right now I could do it and, and that just blew me away when I learned that that was cool so yeah well, me- and, you know real estate investors we love the concept of leverage right mm-hmm. and that's another great 
part about the 401k or the individual K is that the retirement account can actually go out and borrow money. So if I have 50,000 in my retirement account, I can probably buy a hundred thousand dollars worth of real estate yeah. with leverage. And because there are lenders who lend specifically to retirement accounts. And the best part about that is your money and the leverage money both go back into your retirement account, either tax deferred or tax free, right? So it's the it's the tax deferred and the leverage concept all rolled up into one. Yeah, that's amazing. I, I think that's, that's awesome. So is 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 it fifty uh, fifty thousand on that uh, self directed four hundred one k? Yes, for the, this year it's fifty three thousand, and then um, if you're over fifty years old, it's fifty nine thousand. So, so Josh, you can easily get fifty nine. I don't have one. Why? Why wouldn't? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but why wouldn't people? I I don't even know what he said. He just talks. I'll make and fun talks of you for talks. being over fifty. He's calling you old. I'm calling you oh, old. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I didn't hear you with my old ass ears. There you um, go. So why? <laughs> Why aren't more people opening these self-directed 401ks? I mean, is it just the knowledge that we don't know about it? Um, well, that's a really good question. So not el- not everyone is eligible for uh-huh. 401ks. Okay? okay. So if you're so, so let's say you're someone retired, all you have is rental income. Generally, you can't open a 401k because rental income is considered investment income. So for someone to have a 401k, they have to have some sort of earned income outside of their W-2 job. And so that's where, you know, if you're a realtor and you get 1099, commissions income, or if you're someone doing wholesale, you get wholesale fees, or those who do fix and flip. Um, that Those are examples of people who might be eligible for a 401k. Okay. 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 Um, so, so you can't necessarily, if I if I was working at some accounting firm making, you know, $150,000 a year, I couldn't just take 50 of that 50,000 and just throw it into a self-directed 401k. Correct. You couldn't do that unless if you were maybe also moonlighting at another accounting firm and they were paying you some 1099 consulting income. Yeah. Gotcha. And, okay. and this is where I think it's helpful. Once you know these things, then you can set up your life to actually make that make sense. You know, like you can say, okay, well, I have my job here. I'm going to fix and flip this many houses a year and take all that money and put it into this, uh, you know, solo 401k, which then I'm going to use to lend private money out to somebody else later and make a good 10, 12% return on my money. Like, once you get that strategy, it's much easier to for, yeah, form your life around that, which is, I think, powerful stuff. I mean, that's what they talk about. Like the rich just keep getting richer. It's because yeah. the rich figured this stuff out and everyone else watches Dancing with the Stars. And that's like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that's just what people do. So anyway, if people obviously like, and we'll probably talk about this later, but so when we we're launching this book here officially today, it comes out. Uh, if they're listening here on launch day that this comes out. Anyway, uh, if they buy in the first 10 days, um, we're going to actually include that hour long interview that I did with Amanda all about self-directed 401. Okay, so if you guys want to learn more about that, make sure you buy the book in the first uh, week on Bigger Pockets itself, not on Amazon. But you can buy it on Amazon too. But you just don't get that cool four hundred one k thing. So nice. nice. There you go. Awesome. All right. All right we, next, what else is on the list? We got depreciation, right? Depreciation. Yeah. I mean, that's one of, you know, in the tax world, it's one of the best benefits when it comes to real estate investors. Simply put, it's essentially the IRS's uh, incentive. They allow you to write off the purchase price of your building uh, over time as a tax deduction. And what we love about that is you're allowed to write off that purchase price over time, regardless of whether or not the property is going up in value or if it's going down in value. And, and so typically what happens with investors is we have a real, you know, rental property that's going up in value over time. 
But in that same time frame, we're taking huge tax deductions by claiming depreciation expense. Now, you know, for for those uh, listeners who maybe are savvy investors or who've been investing for several several years, this might seem like a no brainer or a common strategy. But I do have to say that every single year, there are handfuls of tax returns that we see that come across our table where investors have missed out on depreciation altogether. Um, a story that's really interesting is I, I wrote an article on Bigger Pockets about depreciation. And one of the, one of the closing statements I made was, Hey, if you don't know if you're claiming it or if you're doing it correctly, pull open your tax return from last year. There's a line that says depreciation. Take a look to see if there's any numbers there. Um, and I actually had a gentleman call me and said, Amanda, I just listened to your podcast and my depreciation line says zero, but I own six properties. Um, so now that guy's our client, I'm just so happy, you know, someone actually, well, first off, someone reads my my blog, <laughs> but, but that, you know, that, that, um, it's, it's actually really easy for you to figure out, you know, don't trust that you're already doing it. Just take a few moments to check and make sure. I actually have a friend who just like three days ago, he tells me, he's like, I did my taxes for the year. I'm like, great. And he's got one rental property and he, I'm like, great. And I was like, how did I go? He's like, oh, it was really, really easy. And I was like, well, you, and you got, you, and I said something like you made sure you got the deduction or it's a good thing you got the deduction for your house, the rental house this year. And he goes, oh no, I didn't worry about that. And I'm like, you didn't, you didn't worry about that? He's like, yeah, I just couldn't figure it out with the tax software. So I just left it blank. I'm like, you should probably worry about that because when you go, cause right, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you go to sell, the IRS is going to basically charge you for that anyway. I mean, I make, they're going to assume you paid it anyway. So it's like, you're just missing out on free deduction no matter what, right? Exactly. And I do come across people who maybe get bad advice where their CPA says, oh, don't take depreciation. You're going to have to pay taxes later on it. You might as well save it for later. Um, and that's absolutely incorrect because depreciation is, is not a choice. Okay, you're required to take it. And if you don't take it, then the IRS assumes it's taken. So um, there's there's absolutely no reason not to take depreciation. Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. I got to bug my friend again. I'll make him listen to the show or something. <laughs> and what's funny is like, sometimes people will do stuff like that. Well, like they'll, he wanted to avoid having to go to a CPA or having to go and to anywhere to do his taxes. He wanted to do it with some software online. Right. So he mm-hmm. saved himself maybe a couple hundred bucks, but he probably missed out. And in all reality, he probably missed out on a lot more because he didn't go to a professional. And that's just, I think that's very, very common. I was afraid to use a CPA for years because I thought they were just way too expensive. But you know, in that case, at least in most people's cases, they probably save more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, I don't think that everybody needs a CPA. Um, it, it really is up to each particular person what they have going on. And so there are times when we talk to prospective clients and they tell us, oh, you know, I'm thinking of doing this, but I really won't pull the trigger for, you know, a year or so. Um, so that might be an example of someone who maybe could still get away with terrible tax. But yeah, I mean, I think it's time to definitely look for a CPA if, if like your friend scenario, he admits it's too complicated. I'm just going to leave something off. You know, that could lead to some big problems down the road. Yeah. Yeah. So in the example of your friend, Brandon, you know, um, if he's admitting that it was too hard for him or too complicated for him, that might be a good sign that, Hey, it's time for you to seek outside advice. Yep. I think that's exactly it. So, cool. All right. Next one. And this is the big one. So I do webinars every week uh, on Bigger Pockets, uh, biggerpockets.com slash webinar. People should come and join me live. It's pretty fun. And the number one question I get more than everything else in the world when I do the open Q&A at the end is, Brandon, do I need an LLC? Do I need an S-Corp? Do I need, do I need an like, LLC? Everyone asks that question every webinar. And 
so I mean, that's a big deal. Entities. So I'm it assuming is. that's kind of next on our list. Entities. And we talked a little bit about earlier, but what do, what do you have to say about that? The mistakes people make with that? Oh, gosh. Well, I think the mistake would just be being in the wrong type of legal entity. I mean, believe it or not, it's better to not be in an entity than to be in the wrong type of entity. Okay. Mm-hmm. But in an ideal world, you like to start out in the right type of entity. Um, but, but really, there's two aspects when it comes to entity structuring for real estate investors. Uh, first, there's the asset protection benefit. And since I'm not an attorney, I won't comment on what that means or what I think that means. Um, <laughs> the second part of entity structuring is is really the tax savings side of things. Um, so two really important tips uh, that I, I, I think would be really great to share with our listeners is that one, if you're someone who is doing rental real estate, and that's just straight, you know, buy long-term hold, sell in the future, maybe do a 1031, who knows? Um, whether you have an entity or not, it really makes no difference in the tax world. And what I mean by that is you take the same tax deductions that you would, whether the property is owned in an LLC or in your personal name. Okay. Um, now, on the other hand, if you're someone who's doing active real estate, which would be wholesales, uh, fix and flip, syndicator, something that you're actively involved in, then an entity could mean the difference of a Words of 15% or more every year in tax savings. Okay. And is that because of the self-employment tax? Is that, that, is that where that comes into play? Yes, correct. So when we own rental real estate, we never have to pay self-employment tax, right? <laughs> yeah. Because we're, it's an investment income. On the other hand, when we're actively involved in real estate, um, it's the same as any other kind of income, like real estate commissions, or if you're an actor, uh, or consulting income. So we have to pay income taxes as well as self-employment tax. So from that perspective, we generally will recommend for our clients to be in some sort of a corporation and using that corporation to minimize that 15% self-employment tax. Okay. And how does that, I mean, how does that exactly work? So let's say I have uh, a, let's say I'm flipping houses. I'm doing one house a month and I'm making, I don't know, we'll say $20,000 a piece. And so over the course of a year, I'm making $240,000 in income on this thing. Why does having a a corporation then help me save taxes? I mean, explain that to me. Um, It's really just the... It's really just a loophole in how the IRS has set up the tax code. So basically they say, okay, if you're flipping in your personal name, every dollar of net profit you make, you're going to pay income tax and payroll tax. On the other hand, if you're flipping in a corporation, um, you only have to pay self-employment or payroll taxes on any compensation or W-2 you take out. If you take anything out as dividend or distributions, it's exempt from self-employment tax. So there's no real rhyme or reason. It's just one of those loopholes that back in the day, some lobbyists got passed through. Okay. So like theoretically, let's just say I were to, you know, like I said, make that 240 a year from, from flipping and then maybe pay myself a, a reasonable salary of let's say 40,000 a year. On that 40,000 now, I have to pay myself employment tax and all the regular stuff, but the rest of the money I could distribute to myself as a dividend or whatever. That's that's the gist, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So okay. so the more money you make and the mm-hmm. more you take out as distributions or dividends, the more taxes that you're saving. Okay. Uh, that's awesome. I, I love that. And that's again, another one of those like tax savings that the rich people are using all the time and that the rest of the world doesn't really use. I think that's uh, awesome. So yeah. cool. Okay. Well, um, last question. La- yeah. Last, last one. We've got, 
about, proactive planning. Yeah, proactive planning. Like that was the last thing you had on our, kind of our list here is this idea of proactive planning. What, what was that? Sure. You know, I know we talked about a lot of different strategies today. And um, the heart of all these strategies is actually proactive planning. And what, what that really means is simply keeping a line of communication open with your tax advisor. It doesn't have to be anything complicated where, you know, you're learning the rules or spending a ton of money. It's really just keeping your tax advisor up to date. Hey, I'm thinking of selling a property. I'm thinking of buying a property. Uh, or it could be even as simple as life changes, like I'm getting married or I'm having a child. Um, because it's in this type of communication where your advisor could be able to identify some proactive planning ideas or strategies for you. I love it. Smart. Smart. Yeah, great. I'm buying of that, a house. I want to get a new car. Should I buy yeah. or lease it? Well, you know, all these fun things. Speaking of that, I'm going to be contacting you soon, Amanda. We need to have a proactive planning talk and uh, figure out what I'm going to do with the future. Now I got like employees and I got more flipping going on. I got all this stuff. Baby. So Babies. I got a baby coming Babies. into the picture. Yeah, I got yeah, all this stuff. So anyway, I mean, I think this is valuable just to have those conversations with your CPA, talk about it, strategize a little bit. And just like the very first tip you give, kind of wrap it all up, like the more that you understand going forward, like the more that you set it up correctly in the beginning, the better the whole entire thing's going to be. The more money you'll save, you know, rob the IRS rest out of more of their money and keep more of it for yourself legally. And that's what I think we're trying to do here today. First world problems. First world problems. I love it. All right. So why don't we shift gears here and move over to the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Your competitors are fighting for your customer's attention. So how do you stand out? Easy. Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Reach new audiences, grow your customer list, sell more, raise more, and fast-track your growth. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business through email and SMS marketing, social media, and even events management. Don't know much about marketing? Don't sweat it, because Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. And with my boot camps and live events, I just don't have the time to clone myself. So I just let Constant Contact do the marketing for me, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com bp. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. You're ready to open a business bank account for your new property. You know what that means. Coordinating a time between you, your co-founders, and your bank consultant. Waiting at the branch or waiting for hours on the support line. Who has time for that? With Relay, you can open a business bank account for your property 100% online from anywhere. Create up to 20 accounts to organize money by property or by categories like expenses, taxes, or investments. Effortlessly collaborate with role-specific access. That means giving your cleaner a debit card for cleaning supplies or your accountant read-only access to your transactions. Own multiple businesses? Relay lets you open unlimited accounts and access them all from one centralized login. Okay, I'm just, I'm going off script here. That is cool. It's annoying that I have to log into 10 business accounts with my current bank. So go sign up for RelayFi because that's a, that's a feature that I like. No monthly fees or minimums, and it takes just 10 minutes to sign up. Head on over to RelayFi.com slash BiggerPockets for stress-free banking. You can join me because I'm heading on over there right now. I'm heading on over to RelayFi.com slash bigger pockets. Relay is a financial technology company, not a bank. Banking services provided by ThreadBank, member FDIC. The Relay Visa debit card is issued by ThreadBank pursuant to a license from Visa USA Inc. and may be used everywhere Visa debit cards are accepted. All right, let's get to the fire round. These questions normally come directly out of the bigger pockets forums. These ones I adjusted a little bit because these are things that I personally want to know about. So oh <laughs> this is the Brandon wow. fire round. No, these are, these are not just me. These are just kind of questions we put together, uh, that I think people are going to be interested in. So, uh, first question, it's kind of all a little bit more related to now. Like if you're like, here we are a few months before tax seasons, you know, really, really, you know, like deadlines hitting. And then we have extensions after that and all that. But anyway, these will help people right now, I think, where they're at. So number one, what should people be doing right now to get ready to meet with their CPA? Uh, to get ready to meet their CPA, we'd say the first and foremost is making sure you've captured and summarized all of your expenses, right? After you listen to the podcast, we talked about a lot of the common stuff that are missed. So make sure you summarize and get it organized. It's also a good idea maybe to have a list of questions for your CPA. You know, I just did XYZ. Can I deduct it? Those are things you want to be prepared for. Um, and also, of course, let your CPA know of any significant changes, bought a property, sold a property, moved around, that kind of stuff. Right on. Great. Cool. Is it too late to set up an entity? So, uh, you know, you're presuming, hey, it's February, March, April, and tax time is coming up. I haven't set up an entity. I bought some properties. Is, is it too late? I'm, I'm just going on assumptions here. Is, is it too late for me to set something up? 
Um, it depends on what year you're talking about. Is it too late to set one up for the prior return that you'll be filing? Yeah. Yes, it's too late. But for this current year, this is the perfect time to set up entities for this year because the year is just starting. Um, if you're someone who already had an entity, but it might have been the wrong type of entity, then definitely speak with your tax advisor because in a lot of entity types, there are ways that we can retroactively change the type of entity it is. For example, turning an LLC into a corporation or vice versa. Cool. Fancy. Fancy. All right. Next question. Uh, let's see. Is there anything I should do before April 15th specifically? Like uh, HSA, IRA, extension payments. What should I do before April 15th specifically? Yes. Yeah. A couple. I mean, you mentioned some of those main ones. Um, if you're someone who wants to fund retirement accounts, um, definitely think about funding an IRA or a Roth IRA. Health savings account is one that we love because you get a tax deduction for the money going in. The money grows tax free and you also pull that money out tax-free as long as the money is used for medical expenses. And what I also love about the HSA is that it can be self-directed as well. So it could be utilized for real estate deals. It doesn't have to be limited to the stock market. Okay, cool. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Last question of the fire round. Are there any new tax changes that apply specifically to 2015 tax year that people listening need to know about? Presumably, they're proactive and actually listening to the show when it comes out. Uh, and we're talking about sometime be- before April 15th, unless they filed an extension. <laughs> yeah, there's so a lot many. of caveats. <laughs> there's so many. And in fact, um, the good thing is that a lot of these new changes came about that are good for 2015, 16, and some even uh, permanent benefits as well. So it could be beneficial regardless of when you're listening to this. But some of the great ones is um, bonus depreciation came back around again. So for those of you who are real estate investors, fix and flippers, if you bought brand new assets, equipment, furniture, in appliances in your real estate business, as long as they're brand new, um, then there's a bonus depreciation where you can write off up to 50% immediately on your 2015 income tax return. Um, another good one is, uh, it's a little bit lesser known, it's called the de minimis deduction. So before this came out, an investor would have to wait to deduct a large expense item, maybe over five or seven years. So writing it off over time. The latest rules that came out as of Thanksgiving of 2015 is that now they've uh, put in a caveat that if you have an expense, up to $2,500 can be immediately uh, deducted in the year you spend that money. So if you're a landlord and you bought uh, 10 air conditioning units, I mean, I don't know why you would do that, but let's say you bought 10 <laughs> air conditioning units for all your properties and it's $2,000 each, you can write off the entire purchase price of all 10 units immediately in 2015. Wow. That's cool. I did not know that. So good to know. Good to know. All right, cool. Well, that's the end of the so-called fire round, which was changed a little bit today. And let's move over real quickly to the, actually, before we do, before we do the famous four and, and hit those up again, why don't we just talk, give people one more time, remind them what the book is called that you wrote, because I really, 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 really want people to read this book. And not just because, you know, Bigger Pockets published it, but like, it's really, really good. I mean, it's really good. Like there's a quote I have at the top of the book on the cover. And it says, uh, I said, had I read this book earlier in my real estate investing career, I easily would have saved myself thousands in taxes and my net worth would be significantly higher. And I totally mean that. Like when I read that, that was the first thing that popped in mind is, dang, I should have read this when I first started my investing career. So shame on you, Amanda, for not writing this 10 years ago, but you know, you can only do what you do. So anyway, let's talk about the book real quickly and, and tell us a little bit. What First of all, what's it called again? 
Yeah, it's called Tax Strategies for the Savvy Real Estate Investor. Um, and my husband, uh, Matt, actually uh, worked alongside with me in writing the book. And um, we're just really excited to be releasing this book. I mean, it's been a long time dream of ours to be able to do that. And what we really try to do is, you know, a lot of the tax strategy books we've read were really geared towards CPAs, a lot of very technical talk, things that, uh, you know, for lack of better word are, are quite boring. And so what we really wanted to do was to come out with a book that has a lot of stories, real life stories and examples where um, it's easy enough for the reader to hopefully be able to understand what some of the concepts are and be able to implement that for their own situation. Got it. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, awesome. Uh, I, I mean, that was one thing also that stood out for me with this book was that it was written very much like I mean, like, I like to think of myself as a fairly smart guy, but when it comes to taxes, I'm a complete moron. I mean, I really am. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but like, I understood it's not everything. Just taxes. Okay. I'm a moron <laughs> in a lot of ways, but <laughs> like, really, honestly, like, I understood things when I read that because I think you're really good at that. That's why we like you as a blogger because you explain things well. I thought yeah. you and Matt did an, a fantastic job. So anyway, love it. That was awesome. Yeah, I love it. So, uh, in addition, just to let people know that in addition to just the book, which is r- currently just a digital book. So we're listening to this right now is just a digital book in the future. Maybe we'll have a physical copy of it, but right now it's just digital. And, uh, to get that in addition to just the digital book, we got three other bonuses to throw out there. Uh, when people buy it, they get a, a PDF, kind of an ebook we put together called, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Amanda, cause you don't made this stuff, but, uh, what records to keep, why and for how long? What is that? Yes. I mean, we get questions all the time. People hate receipts. People hate bank statements. How long do I have to keep it? Can I burn it and never look at it again? So um, that document we put together so that investors and taxpayers will know how long you have to keep for each type of record. Perfect. Second PDF is a ebook called Types of Self-Directed Retirement Accounts. What is that? Well, what, over the years, what I've learned is that our clients who are real estate investors love to use retirement money in real estate. And so um, it's uh, that article we kind of put together just to give people a, a general idea of what are the different types of retirement accounts and who they might be ideal for. Okay. Nice. All right. And the third one here, uh, what's the, it's when to call your CPA, right? What's that? Yes. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about being proactive, right? And so um, we wanted to put something together for the readers so they can understand what are some examples of when you would want to call your CPA and why you would want to call them. So awesome. why did we title it when to call your CPA? Mm, <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then of course, very apropos. There you go. As I mentioned earlier as well, as kind of an additional bonus uh, for people who do buy the digital book here in the first 10 days, we're also giving away that uh, the 401k video, which me and Amanda just sit down and really hash out. What is the self-directed 401k? How does it work? Why do I have one? What am I going to do with it? How am I going to do it? It's pretty awesome. So I, I mean, I learned a ton in that and people will love it. So nice. uh, to get all that stuff, of course, people can go to biggerpockets.com slash tax book, T-A-X-B-O-O-K and uh, pick it up there, biggerpockets.com slash tax book. You can also go to the bigger Pockets store at biggerpockets.com slash store. All right. Nice. All right. With that, let's wrap this thing up. Let's do this famous four as quickly as we can. So here is famous four. All right. Number one, what is your favorite? And this may be different than last time, or, or maybe it's the same. What is your favorite real estate book? Uh, Besides your well, own now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, darn. Yep. Um, I really like Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, like okay. that's the last time that's one that got, got me interested in doing my own real estate. Awesome. Nice. Uh, how about business book? 
business book, I really love the four hour work week because I think it really helps me to understand ways to systematize both my, my CPA business as well as my real estate business. There right you on. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, what do you and that husband of yours do for fun? Oh my gosh. Well, we have a four-year-old. So for fun, it's, you know, Disneyland, the zoo, those kinds of things. Nice. <laughs> what do you actually do for fun? What do I do for fun? Um, well, I'm a big foodie. So oh. I love eating all sorts of food, food trucks, you name it, I'll eat it. Nice. Awesome. I, I don't have any food trucks in my entire town. I don't think everyone always talks about how cool they are, but I don't have them. Yeah, well, maybe I'll open one up that. in my next life. All right, not a food truck guy. <laughs> Something weird about it. I don't know. All right, <laughs> number four food on four wheels. I don't understand. <laughs> when I was a kid. <laughs> All right, number four, Amanda. What do you believe sets apart successful real estate investors from those who give up, fail, or never get started in the first place? Oh my gosh, I would have to say implementation, you know, not just learning, but to actually pull the trigger and implement or, you know, do what you say you're going to do. I think that's the biggest, uh, biggest item. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I love that. It's perfect. I, I fully agree. Taking action. That's what matters. All right, Amanda, before we let you go, where can people find out more about you? Uh, well, my company website is keystonecpa.com. So www.keystonecpa.com. Nice. And you're also active in the bigger pockets realm, correct? Yes. Yeah, you blog, blog weekly and people can find you all over there. And we'll have links to you at the show notes as well at uh, biggerpockets.com slash show 162. They have links to your profile, to your website and to where they can pick up the book. Nice. Nice. All right. Before we let you go, this is a presidential election year. <laughs> There's yeah. a guy who's running for office that has talked about raising taxes on real estate. Oh, we're done. Sorry, I got to go. Can't ask the question. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, I'm not going to actually ask the question, but, uh, you know, it's an election year. And, you know, as real estate investors, financials actually do come into play. So, you know, I'm not actually going to put you on the spot and make you talk about it. But who are you voting it, for? Him? Who I'm am kidding. I voting for? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we're not going there. We're not going there. All right, uh, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. We really, really do appreciate it. And uh, if you're listening, get out there and pick up a copy of Amanda's book. It's awesome. Pick it up at biggerpockets.com/slash/textbook. Amanda, thanks for coming on the show again. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Take care. All right, guys, that was Amanda Hahn, author of the new Bigger Pockets book titled Tax Strategies for the Savvy Real Estate Investor. Actually, it's titled The Book On. The Book On. We got Tax Strategies that. for the Savvy Real Estate <laughs> Investor. And uh, as we talked about, you know, the, the, book's, uh, the book's fantastic. You can pick it up at biggerpockets.com slash tax book. Yep. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed the interview. Hopefully, you don't burn $10,000 like Brandon did. Uh, I, I, Amanda saved my butt on that. She actually like went to... in like. Help me fight the IRS on that. She went to bat, huh? She went to a bat for me and it was awesome. So nice, nice. Yeah. But so yeah, great show, lots of fun and obviously extremely informative. Um, and uh, otherwise, I know we were going to just talk really quickly about uh, yeah. the package, the book, and, and this, uh, this release that we've got. Yeah. So basically, as you guys talked about in the show, you know, as we talked about the new book, the book on tax strategies for the savvy real estate investor, uh, like I'm not even kidding, like guys, I personally, I, promise you will love this book. I don't know. Can I, can I guarantee they love this book? I don't know. No, Close enough. No. <laughs> They're going to love this book. Uh, it's a good book. It's not boring. That's it's the not key, boring. Right? That's what I love about this book. Like it was full of stories and it's fun to read and it's very, it's like, it's not a, a 
200,000 word legal you know, jargon book. It's just a fun book to read and you learn a ton. So anyway, you'll learn all sorts of cool stuff in there, like including how to like write off vacations and your kids and all sorts of cool stuff. So check that out. In addition, uh, with the book, because Bigger Pockets, we like to provide you know, over provide value. Uh, Amanda prepared a bunch, Amanda and Matt, uh, prepared a bunch of extra stuff, uh, with it. So that includes an ebook called Retirement Accounts that can be self-directed into real estate deals. Uh, another one called, an ebook called When to Call Your CPA. Another one called What Records to Keep and Why. These are all just reports to help you make sure you're, you're getting the most out of the book and saving the most money possible. And one of my favorite parts is this ebook that she put together called the CPA Fire Round. It's very similar to our Fire Round on the podcast. Uh, and what she basically did is we went to the forums together and we found the top 20 like biggest tax related questions that people had recently. Like actual bigger pockets members on the forums have been asking these questions and she just fires off answers to all of them. So I, uh, that you guys are going to love that as well because these are questions that you guys are asking. And then lastly, but I think maybe most importantly, is that we mentioned in the show, there's that hour-long video interview I did uh, and MP3. As you can listen to it. You can also read the transcription of it of how to use a self-directed 401k to fund your real estate deals. And that's that, um, that's that bonus that you have to buy this within the first 10 days of launch to get that. So make sure you guys jump in right now and get that. Uh, and they've got to buy directly from BP. They can't buy from Amazon. Correct. correct. That, that, all those bonuses come only with BP. And so I think you have until, I believe it's the 27th or 28th of this month. I'll have to check with that. It's been something like that. But anyway, it's one of those due days. So hurry up and buy it now. Make sure you get those bonuses. So Yeah. And the information on that deadline will be on the landing page. So biggerpockets.com slash tax book, T-A-X-B-O-O-K. And I I would be remiss Remiss. to, uh, it's a good work, right? Good word. Good good word. It's a good word. I would be remiss to not uh, give a massive, massive thanks to our new head of publishing here at Bigger Pockets, Kimberly. Yeah. Uh, Without Kim, who has been with us for less than a month now. Yeah. This book would not have come out in time for tax season. She has done uh, an amazing job getting this thing together, working with Amanda on making sure it all came together. So I just want to give kudos to Kim for doing such a fantastic job. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kim. Yep. Thank you, Kim. You you rock, Kim. Yeah, yeah. Rock Kim. Eric B. <laughs> all right. I'll just go wrap that. All right, guys. Anyway. Check it out. Thank you for listening. We definitely appreciate it. And otherwise, if you are not already engaged on Bigger Pockets, get reading the blog post. I mean, Amanda writes for us, I think it's every week or every two weeks. She's writing amazing tax uh, articles. We've got tons and tons, dozens of other writers who are writing for us regularly. Get on the forums, participate, introduce yourself. By the way, today, well, as we record this, we just released, we just launched our brand new forum upgrade, yeah. completely new user experience over on the forums, biggerpockets.com slash forums. Check it out. Uh, there's some amazing updates and it's way easier to use and, and uh, more uh, more obvious, I think, to find a lot of the stuff on there. So definitely check that out. It's pretty too. That's so pretty. check like it out. Pretty. Jump on Bigger Pockets. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Yeah. Everyone. All right. I'm Josh Dorkin. And I'm Brandon Turner. S- signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online.
There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.